0: chi Chichi, I'm so popular. I'm here with today's guest. Who are you? Hello.
1: <laughs> I am Sam. Um I um, I guess I can call myself a filmmaker, even though that Absolutely. Feels weird. Great. Okay. I am a filmmaker. I made a film. It's called Plastic Boy. <laughs> and then I'm also a Taylor Swift stan. Oh, in that order. In that order. And what are you doing? I mean, right now I'm in my bedroom, having listened to the Taylor album nonstop for like 48 hours. But in general, I just finished like this really small independent film. I made for like £5,000, which is like, I don't know what that is in like other currencies. People can Congratulations. That <laughs>
0: That's awesome.
1: Thing. Yeah, it's cool. It's gone to like some film festivals and it's like playing mainly online now because of like COVID and stuff. Like obviously film festivals aren't running in the same way. Um, right. So that is that's the broader sense of what i do
0: okay well be sure to check it out everyone i will be as well and then my third question for you is why do you follow me so i can't remember how we followed each other i can't either but it's been like three or four years i think yeah i feel like you've just been
1: like we've been like on the timeline for a long time and i've loved every moment of it But i can't oh, remember me too. <laughs> like i'm not like sure why i feel like the only kind of like viral tweet i've had where like i got a bunch of followers as well. I tweeted about, it was like a Lady Gaga GF about um, pretending to be gay when I see a woman in the street. I don't know if it was from that, maybe? Oh, it totally could be. That was
0: like a very poor description. I think when I, I think around when I followed you, like 2016 or 2017 was like when I was like first starting my grand entrance into Stan Twitter. So I wouldn't be surprised if it's from that, but it's been such a blessing because we actually have so many wild little intersecting opinions and interests. Like we both like video games. We both think The Last Jedi is good.
1: Oh my God. Yeah. So well video games was something I was always into up until I kind of like left home and went to uni slash college I and mean, then didn't have access to a computer or a console. Yeah. And then I adopted it during COVID and I got a PlayStation 4.
0: And Yeah. Also, The
1: Last of Us 2 has been my entire life.
0: Okay, that's all I've been doing this weekend. Like, last night I got some, like, Korean food with my boyfriend. And then as soon as we got back, he's like, oh, do you want to watch a movie? I was like, no, you have to watch me play The Last of Us for four hours.
1: Well, The Last of Us 2 is basically a film. Like, it's so cinematic.
0: Yeah, I was explaining it to him that, like, playing the game is, like, basically, like, being in a narrative. And it was really cute because he was terrified, like, the whole time. He was very jumpy, so of the second one yeah i finished i replayed the first one last month and then i took a break and i just started part two i guess last week and, and do you halfway like two? i love it so far
1: yeah i've like finished it so i only got into the last of us so i only got playstation like two months ago but right. i only played the last of us for the first time like a month ago and at first i was i was so scared i couldn't finish it i was having such bad anxiety from it like just, it's like stressful. the first one is so relentless like there's just enemies all the time even the humans are enemies you know what i mean like you're like unsafe all the time yeah and then i played it again and i kind of got to of it i loved it and then i bought the second one straight away and the second one i find less stressful i find it had like a bit of a better pace to it i agree like there's more moments of like reflection and like character building it isn't just like so aggressively
0: being hunted all the time yeah the first one is so stressful like i i've played it like two and a half times now basically and when i was going back through it i was like still so stressed every single time i had to take like a three minute break every single time to go chain smoke outside just to like bring myself back to the real world
1: i would just like put it down and turn it off when i got to like certain points but now i've played it like four times i don't really find it scary because i know what's happening but yeah it's just like, and now I've played the second one so many times. I try to go back to the first one and I can't replay it because I feel like the second one is just so much more, like, intuitive to play. Like, I forgot in the first one you can't, jump. like, yeah, you can't jump. You can't, like, go on the ground and crawl. When you're, like, fighting someone, you can't, like, dodge or anything. Like, it feels, like, a bit harder to play now because the second
0: one is so, like, natural. Yeah, so fluid. Yeah. Uh, and there's just so many, like, small touches to it that make it just that immersive um i won't talk about it too much because i when i finish it i want to talk about it on the podcast but like yeah i love it i'm obsessed i'll come back to that one as well oh by all means so um this weekend was uh i was very eventful for me i was very drunk most of the weekend but probably more important to the global landscape was the release of a new taylor swift album so i thought for our first topic today we could talk about the woman that is taylor swift yay so how did you get into her
1: so i feel like Taylor Swift has kind of always been around obviously she is like you know a global pop star so like when i was like in secondary school like should i use like american terminology high school no i i know what you mean okay (laughs) when i was in school like that's when like fearless came out but i was like far too into like being like an emo or like you know what i mean like to pay attention to anything like that yeah i was like deeply closeted but so i had like a love for that stuff but i was like too ashamed to like be public about it adorable so i would just like listen to like britney spears but in like the deepest darkest secret of my room
0: oh my god (laughs) and
1: then listen to like regina specter more publicly which maybe isn't even that heterosexual
0: anyway (laughs) Oh, she's very (laughs) faggoty but you can like at least like play that off as you know (laughs) something else
1: so I feel like Taylor was kind of like always that. But it really wasn't until Red came out where I like became the swifty that I am today. I remember really liking um We're Never Getting Back Together. That's when I so I got more into pop as I came out and got older. Um so then when Red came out like two thousand oh my god. I wanna say twelve. Something <laughs> like that, yeah. If so I get that incorrect, I'm embarrassed. Um and then so yeah, I loved We Never Game Back Together. And then I kind of followed it from there. And then when Red came out, I it just like it just like changed my life. And I it's my favorite album. I don't think it's like the best one. It's like a bit incoherent at times. And it goes on for like a long time. But I remember like going through like a a tough boy situation at the time and it like mm-hmm. spoke to me a lot. And I remember just like walking down the street and just like playing it very casually. And then the opening song, "Date of Grace, which is like my favorite song now played, and it just like hit me so hard, like I never heard really anything. I didn't know like a, a Taylor Swift song would sound like that because it's like really soaring and it, it's like really lyrical and it has like really great instrumentals. And then from then on, I was never the same. And, and then me. that album was like, I feel like a good time to get involved because then obviously I knew you were trouble and songs like 22 are like very big. Um. Yeah, it was, like, 2012. But I had liked, you know, I would like, Love Story and all the singles before, but I never, like, I was too involved in being, like, either emo or, like,
0: really pretentiously indie. Sure. I guess it's it's funny because I have a, a very different experience than that because I guess, like, probably, like, outside of the U.S., like, Taylor Swift is, like, you know, kind of gay icon, pop star, you know, that kind of celebrity. But when she started her career in America, she was very... Country girl, yeah, and I am from the country, as it turns out. So uh, she was really popular with everyone um, when I was in middle school, and um, our song, oh my God. I, what song? Yeah, I heard that song all the all the damn time, and like whether I wanted to or not, like I kind of developed a little bit of an an affinity for her just because I was so exposed to her music. Um, and then I guess like the turning point for me was Love Story. I bought yeah. that on my iPod Touch, and I bought the music video. <laughs> like, I bought it. <laughs> oh my god. What? Oh, on iTunes? Yeah, on iTunes so I could have the music video on my, I- on my little iPod Touch.
1: So funny, we have like a similar thing in the UK where it's like Virgin, which is like, the, like you know, you get like cable as a kind of app, and you right. can buy music videos on that, but you can only rent it, so it's like a pound for like one watch. <laughs>
0: And so you, how many pounds
1: were dumped into Taylor Swift's wallet? <laughs> I mean, probably at that point, not that much then. But if I had, if I were to go back now, it'd be millions. Well, we have YouTube now, don't we? So that stuff is like so irrelevant. I've been seeing a lot of people saying that the way to get Cardigan, the lead single from Folklore, to get to number one is to buy the music video. But right. why Why would I ever do that? Like, I can watch it for free.
0: Yeah, sorry. I The only people whose music I buy anymore is I only buy Utara Hikaru's music at this point. And I'll buy like used CDs when I'm like, oh, cute item. But I'm not going to... I'm not going to buy a digital single, <laughs> sorry. Yeah, no, I bought well, I bought this album, but I don't really, I never do it. But only
1: because with the physical release, there's like a bonus song. But, oh, um, yes, because she's, she's got to get those sales up. Yeah, you do. Um, so I ordered the physical, re- <laughs> I ordered the physical CD, but I'm not going to get it for three weeks, which is like ridiculous. Like oh, so
0: you ridiculous. have to wait until then to hear that one exclusive yeah. song. Yeah, what's the point? I thought I would get it like today. Give me the download, Taylor. Give me the download. So stupid. <laughs> I guess I bought um the last Madonna album last year. Yeah, I bought X on... Oh, I bought it twice. I bought it digitally and I bought it on CD. <laughs> yeah, you do have to get... Yeah, you have
1: to get two of them in. That's mainly why I bought this album, because I wanted, like, the physical thing.
0: Yeah, I want proof of its existence. Yeah, definitely. Um. Yeah, so Taylor was very popular with, like, country children in the United States, so I was into her enough. Um, And then when she started switching more into pop, which I kind of started with Red, but was completed with 1989, I was very much here for her. And it's funny now that I kind of have, like, the reputation of being a Taylor anti, because I actually, like, was really into her for a long time.
1: I think it's like, when someone's been, this is why I think, like, this album's interesting, because, like, when someone's been around for such a long time, there's, like, a bit of, people get a bit complacent, don't they? Like... You know, yeah. like people, like, fade over time. And not that she's, like, faded particularly, but I think when someone's been around so much, they, I think, naturally, you just get a bit, like, uh eh. Like, even people who I love, like, other pop stars, like... Yeah. I go through, like, phases of
0: being, like, more indifferent towards them if they haven't released anything for a while. Right, and so I guess for me, like, the, the moment I tuned out was during the controversy that she had with Kanye when he put the video yeah. for Famous... Um, and something else we have in common is that we both love Kim Kardashian, like, unapologetically.
1: Yeah, oh my god,
0: I... So rare. I <laughs> feel like the tide has, like, because I feel like for a
1: long time it was, like, okay for, like, the Kardashians and Kim. I mean, I have always, like, watched, like, keep, like, Keeping Up and Loved Her. But, like, I feel like there was, like, a moment where it was, like, four years ago it was, like, kind of more celebrated. Not celebrated, but you know what I mean. Like, it was, like, I remember, like, cool people liking her. And I feel like it's already gone back around again. and I'm Yeah, it's gone like, back around. Yeah, I find myself having to, like, defend Liking Hub. And I don't want to be in a position where I'm, like, defending, like, a
0: billionaire. Yeah. So for me, like, um, it, it appeared to me very objectively at first that, um, like, Kim won the day over Taylor. And uh, I, I very much unapologetically bought into it because I am a Kanye stan before I am a Taylor stan um and so i was just kind of like pop culturally like angry with her like i just was not into her narrative when reputation started coming out and no so like
1: just... at that time when the kim thing happened i remember being like yes tear her down like even i because i think yeah, of course i love 1989 like so much and had loved her but then i like it was i mean even on that phone call of kanye she said like i'm so overexposed right now and i think that was kind of it it felt like it wasn't even harsh so much it was just the way i think it was like peddled out and it was like a bit i think like towards the
0: end of that era when the kim thing happened that was like i was like yeah tear her down even though obviously it was yeah. a lie and so what then when you know, it was all untrue even i will admit that but when reputation came out and she started advertising for that i was just like oh I'm, I'm so tired of like the postmodern diagnosis of your own image and everything it was so exhausting yeah, to yeah but going back to it more recently, I actually find it to be, like, a, a pretty good album. But I was not into it at the time. I you like Delicate, Taylor. though. Yeah. I remember you talking about
1: Delicate a lot when Reputation came out.
0: Yeah, I did. <laughs> no shame. I mean, Delicate is great. I actually like Delicate a lot now, too. Like, I yeah. think it's really good. <laughs> I take back my Reputation slander. I'm on the record saying it. Well, so I... I mean, I think
1: my... I checked out only very briefly. Like, in between... I think it's also that and like, a lot of, like, the election stuff was a bit like, oh, like, you didn't say anything. It was kind of a compilation of those two things. But right. then when Reputation came out, or even when Look What You Made Me Do came out, like, I just all I just went back again. So it was, like, only, I had, like, a two-month break. Well, I guess it was maybe, maybe a bit longer than that.
0: Well, as a devoted stand, like, two months can be pretty serious, so. Yeah, and I feel like that's probably the only kind of break I've
1: taken in between. <laughs> um, But, yeah, I think I remember, like, when look what you made me do came out. And, like, the whole thing of like, the snakes. I was—I remember, like, how, like, deleting everything on Instagram and ev- all social media. And I was just, like, I couldn't handle the anticipation. Like, it was just too
0: much. See, that's the thing about Taylor Swift is that she is, like, the force of all marketing. Like, nobody can sell an album like she can. Oh,
1: yeah, totally. Like, Reputation was, like, the last album. It's one million copies in its first week. And, like, ever. Like, nothing sold that many copies since in the first week. Even, like, Lover didn't. But I guess because it is, like, a different landscape now, like, if like streaming becomes more and more powerful each year.
0: Yeah, because at that point, streaming was, like, pretty set in, but, like, not to the point where it's at now.
1: Yeah, now it's, like, now everything's so, like, that's why, like, I mean, I really liked Lava, but it was very much, like, I feel like it was engineered to be on playlists and, you know what I mean? Like, like Spotify yeah. playlists, and it was, like, had different songs to reach different playlists and different charts and stuff. Like, it's so... I don't know what the term that is, but, like, everything is so, like, geared towards streaming. It's, like, quite exhausting.
0: Yeah, and I don't hate Lover. I just, um... I don't know. After, like, 1989 and Reputation, like, those are two very, like, narratively strong, like, records that have, yeah. like, a lot of a lot to say about Taylor and are, like, very complicated in their own ways. I just found, like, Lover is just kind of like, eh, okay... Like, I, I know I know what she's saying, and I'm like, ah, oh, it's just not that it, investing to me.
1: I did. I mean, lo- Love is not like, it's not my least favorite, but it's not like my favorite. I feel like Love has like a few different lives. Like, I think I kind of hate all the singles. Like, obviously, I hate me. I'm just like, oh, in my, I forgot that song existed. It just doesn't, reminding me. <laughs> it just doesn't exist to me. I just tried to like block it out every day. Um, but I think like when you get to the actual songs, like, there's like a lot of really. Good. Like, I love, um, like, "Cross Summer. as like, the best song I've ever made. Not ever. That's, like, an overstatement. But, but I know what you mean. Like, uh, is a bit more muddled, Whereas, like, Reputation in 1989 felt very, like, to the point and to the heart of something.
0: Right. And, um, I think that my usual problem with Taylor Swift is usually not about her as a person. It's more about the media response to her and her engagement with that, if that makes sense. Because i don't have any specific qualms with her i mean i think sometimes she definitely likes to get in her tea with the the victim narrative um and sometimes it's justified and sometimes it's not yeah but all of her all of her interactions with like her public image can be a little grating sometimes
1: like in terms of like the squad and stuff
0: yeah like the squad um i mean all of the the kanye stuff has just been a mess from square one like it's never been good on either side
1: (laughs) yeah i mean they do both like really benefit from that feudo
0: yes they do i will say that taylor definitely benefits more at least like in america because she has recently yeah and there's a like a race narrative there that's very unfortunate where um i think a lot of like further right people kind of see like taylor as like a white idol that they must like protect she's like kind of like a symbol of um american whiteness for a lot of people and so they Does kind that of jump exist yeah. i
1: felt i wasn't sure i know that like it was like assumed that she was like a white supremacist even though like but i mean even if you don't like taylor that's like a wildly hyperbolic thing oh people assume... just like to
0: throw their shit on her like yeah. i don't think it's her fault at all that like that happened i mean she probably could have been a little bit more prompt with like they like de- de- debuting her political opinion but at the same time i do not care what celebrities have to say about politics I don't
1: yeah care. i think it's like core cool to be engaged and stuff and to like use the platform but then i also do think like i mean should we be looking at like millionaires to make some kind of like mass change like obviously not
0: no because like m- taylor yeah. endorsing hillary is just going to do like so little for the world like it's it's, it's yeah. not about actually changing anything it's like about not getting cancelled
1: yeah like it's definitely like cool when people speak up and but then also I feel like no matter how much of like a socialist or left-leaning celebrity you are I mean I feel like the idea of a socialist celebrity doesn't really exist But um I think They genuinely yeah, yeah I yeah, completely agree I just don't think I feel like celebrity is inherently like neoliberal you know what I mean like you can't Absolutely You're a millionaire so you can't you can't like you can cause change like obviously like when Taylor did speak out she got a lot of people to vote but I think that action does come from the, the people, so kind of like the bottom up, as opposed to the top to the bottom. If that makes yeah, sense. exactly.
0: Which is why, like, I don't like really care if she says anything about it. But um, people just really like to throw their shit on celebrities. Like when someone has an angry stance, they they use a politi- like a they use a celebrity to politicize them and like make their point through them. So Taylor is really used by a lot of people to make points for i mean for white nationalism as it happened before and it's not her fault it's just that people use her image to do that
1: well yeah i mean i feel like in terms of like celebrity criticism like she gets like i would say like more than most i feel like Brittany oh, totally. Brittany and the noughties had like a lot but like that felt very concentrated and now she's very well
0: she's very much left alone except like free Brittany, but that's kind of the people being on her side in a way i think taylor is truly one of the most like politicized like talked about musicians and i feel bad for her because like it's not like really her fault (laughs) it just is kind of what she's left with yeah well i think it
1: like started probably with like the kanye thing right Like that was like i mean obviously in famous he said i made that bitch famous and obviously she took issue with that it is quite derogatory and like a bit misogynistic but it's not entirely
0: incorrect no it's not like it's it's very correct in a few ways and yeah
1: like she obviously sold a lot of like, when that happened, like, Fearless had sold, like, like, millions of copies and was huge. But that put her on the map in, like, a very, like, pop culture way.
0: Exactly. And I, I think that... Oh, it's so tough. <laughs> it just is that I I don't feel like she's really done anything really wrong. It just is when she has to go and engage with her public image and what people are saying about her. It's like... Yeah, you can be upset that he called you a bitch, but also you could not be, and you could just, like, roll with it, and wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> like, yeah. is it that bad? I don't know if it's that bad to be called bitch by a rapper.
1: I feel like she probably... Well, I think there's, like, a few things leading up to the Kanye thing, wasn't it? Like, he invited her to give her an award, and then when he did give her an award, she, like, Kanye made a joke about how he was supposed to do that for ratings. Like, I think there's a few things leading up to... I mean, I do, like, really like Kanye, but... Right. I mean, I guess that's, like, an entire different episode, but... <laughs>
0: there could be a whole episode about their, yeah. their relationship oh, on its own.
1: It really could be, like... It's, like, such... You know, I feel like it is, like, a really, like, important part of, like, pop culture. Like, it's been, like, sp- like spanning a decade. It's, like,
0: insane. It is. It's one of the most important hip-hop, like, feuds of yeah. all time. And it's barely even a hip-hop feud. How tragic. I remember seeing,
1: like, a really funny tweet, and it was, like... It was, like... Oh, I remember when I saw Kanye take the VMA from Taylor and I thought that was bad. I didn't know it would, like, emotionally scar these people for, like, a decade to come. <laughs> yeah, because... Like, it really has.
0: <laughs> it really has. I mean, it's, like, left a considerable mark on pop culture. I mean, it, Obama commented on it. He said yeah. that um, Kanye jackass. West is a jackass. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I feel like that kind of put her on the map, And But, yeah, she, like draws like a lot of criticism and it's like i guess there's like many different like reasons why i feel like i saw like pitchfork post about Taylor and how it was like taylor like the headline was like in fearless taylor swift why it's really hard for you to take her seriously and i feel like maybe that kind of because she done that really early on in her career and i feel like people drew a lot of criticism to that right because she was like singing very earnestly about her feelings as she was like a 16 year old girl and that obviously does attract criticism so it's always kind of Uh, been there like we're obviously used to like teenage pop stars but they're usually singing songs written by like 10 older men about
0: that are about absolutely nothing at
1: all yeah like obviously i love britney forever but like baby one more time isn't a song about her life as she experienced it then it's about her like what like having sex with someone (laughs) and she's like Probably a virgin at the time.
0: Yeah, I mean, Britney never really made a song about herself until, like, Blackout, basically. Yeah. I mean, that that's probably, like, a fair assumption. Yeah, definitely. Um, and Taylor has always been doing that, so it obviously invites a lot of criticism. And I don't think it's necessarily fair to her. And I also think that, you know, because a lot of people kind of associate her with, like, that, like, insane white nationalism, that um, fucking psycho americans throw on her that it also makes it easier for like left-leaning people to associate that with her just out of you know guilt by association it's not fair for her and
1: it's like a weird like um bandwagon like knee-jerking like it's a very knee-jerk liberal reaction like um i remember like i feel like i have a lot of friends who are in Taylor and the last few days like oh my god everyone just messaged me saying how much they love the album but then I always I have you know there's always like people who don't like her as well and I remember when the white supremacist thing was like really flaring up and my friends who are like very like socialist leaning were like oh she's a white supremacist I'm like well can't you see that's like a criticism from like right wing not a criticism that's like a claim from like the right wing like yeah they're buying into it by like like agreeing with it it's like are you that like obtuse, and I feel like <laughs> it's also a bit similar with um, like Lena Dunham when not that kind of oh girl came out.
0: Yes, 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 yes. Because all of the stupid liberals fell for the right wing trap yeah. that got set up. I, I just, class, I cannot believe it, it's
1: so confusing. Like I read that book and I read that chapter about her sister, and like it, I, mean, I don't want to. Like, it did not phase me. No, I didn't even pick up on it. And then it was like a right wing publication, like online, that posted that and cherry picked the quote, and then I just everyone who's, like, left-leaning just, like, bought it up, and I'm like, can you not see that this is, like, something that's been bought on by the right? Like, are you stupid?
0: Yeah, and I mean, I definitely think that a lot of the bandwagon jumping comes from people with good intentions, like, um, but people are really ready to, you know, hate white celebrities because they are hungry for more diverse content, and I think that there should obviously be way more diverse content, but it's like expecting it from Lena Dunham and Taylor Swift is really wild. Like we should be trying to get like black creators and like creators of color, like to a bigger stage where like, they can have their music without like kind of expecting it from like these white creators. So everyone's like very angry at <laughs> these two women who are just trying to <laughs> express themselves. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, um, I mean, obviously I think like Lena has said like some pretty bad things. Um, oh yeah because cause she's a dumb millennial you know like she she's is from like a a slightly less politically correct era than both of us were so yeah. it doesn't always translate well when her audience is so multi-generational
1: yeah totally but um i feel like yeah they, i think i think like they both attract criticism in the same way whereas like they kind of put stuff out very not unfiltered and they say stupid things and they don't care but like you know what i mean like they put out like very earnest work like Um, like, girls got a lot of, like, hate And, like, some of it's, like, legit But then, um, some of it is just, like, very knee-jerky And then Taylor gets, like, a lot of backlash For, like, thinking about men that she's dated And it's, like, well, a lot of other people do stuff like this And, like, I
0: mean, I feel like also Lena Dunham can be, like, a separate
1: podcast But, um Oh,
0: yeah, she will be This is, like, the third time that Lena Dunham has come up on the podcast, so (laughs) Um,
1: but, like, I mean, girls is obviously, like Girls was, like, a very predominantly white show But, um, there are shows, like, I mean, have you seen Fleabag? Yeah. It's, like, there's not a single, there's, like, one person of color in it, and they're, like, they don't have a single line. And it's, like, there's no criticism for that. And it's, like, it just feels always, like, very selective.
0: It is selective, and I will say it is usually poised against women who are very vulnerable about their experiences.
1: Yeah. Like, um, I thought maybe people, like, didn't criticize Fleabag as much because, like, it's not... I don't know. I mean, I like freeback, but I'm like not obsessed with it, and I don't think it's like very authentic. Like, Sure. It's literally like a posh white woman l- working in a cafe a couple of days and living in a flat in London by herself. Like it just doesn't, that's not like real, that's like fiction.
0: <laughs> yeah, where in London are you living, girl? Yeah,
1: and then like she has like these sex scenes, but like never really shows the sex, and it feels very comical. So it never really feels very real to me, but like girls, it feels less real to me now because I've kind of grown up a bit, but when it first came out I was like obsessed that was more that felt more kind of like putting
0: herself on the line yeah and i think that taylor swift is kind of the same in that a lot of her music i mean not always but it is very frequently extremely vulnerable and really relatable and it's oh, very yeah. earnest you know totally that's why like
1: when i saw that um the pitchfork thing about fearless i was like oh yeah that's like really true about fearless how it is like a teenage album and it's really like fighting for people to take her experience seriously at that age which men you know like middle-aged men who listen to music and work for these like magazines are like very dismissive of doing yeah and um gays it's like also gays and tell could be like a whole thing um i feel like gays don't want to listen to like earnest songs about a female experience that are authentic they just want to hear like an album with like 15 songs with like 10 co-writers per song about sex but from different perspectives and I (laughs) like some of those albums but like you know what I mean like those aren't gonna draw criticism in the
0: same way right I, I think my um image of how gay men like relate to female pop stars is that like they like to see the extremity in their experience like gay men like to see like the extremity of gay feeling like executed by a woman because when a woman is performing it, um, it become it becomes like a kind of like performance of suffering. Like it's almost ironic, and it's very easy to um, identify with. So it's either like one way or the other. It's like they want like the hypersexualized music, or they want like women who are emotionally like torturing themselves, and like lashing themselves, so that they can like go either way. And I think there's like validity in that, but it's like yeah. the the <laughs> it's basically between like. Tommy Genesis and like Bjork on Vonacura. It's like they want one or the other. Yeah, definitely. And I feel like yeah, I mean
1: it's like boring. I don't want, like tear down like other or compare Taylor to other pop stars, but I feel like I don't know, like when you look at like other albums and it's like just like a lot of filler song. I don't know, like what is that? I saw like someone on Twitter posting about like there's like a picture of like the fame monster and Teenage Dream and Loud and then nineteen eighty nine and then the tweet was like which one has to go then someone retweeted it saying that like 1989 is like less iconic i'm like 1989 outsold and out awarded all of those albums even combined probably and teenage dream and loud are not good albums i'm sorry they are like i like them a lot but they're very flimsy and they're very sorry
0: it took me like three minutes to think of like who loud is by and i only just realized right now that it's rihanna Wait, I can't name one song off that album.
1: It's, like, the one that had, like, Only Girl in the World and What's My Name.
0: Oh, that's it, though, right? Like, what is what is the other content from there?
1: There's, like, those... They had, like, strong singles, but, like, in a fairy single of that year, gone the next year. We're gonna get cancelled um. for being white gays for saying that. <laughs> well, well, it's also <laughs> the same teen- Cancel me, bitch. Yeah, cancel me. It's also the same for Teenage Dream. Like, Katy Perry's white, so I guess that's, like, more acceptable. <laughs> but, like, Teenage Dream is, like, I had like good singles and that was obviously like her big like i feel like Katy perry's big claim is like that she got like 14, four consecutive number ones from that album
0: yeah that was her moment yeah
1: but then obviously like when you listen to the actual album like those like, songs are not good like
0: no like the, there's a lot of weirdo filler on that album yeah. like i can't believe peacock exists oh my god it's just like i mean it's like fun in like a very camp way but also like i
1: could never listen to it and... yeah she's she's very camp but yeah. <laughs> and even like tjif is like not a good single and all these so yeah i feel like people um
0: i'm not sure like what my point was but basically like oh yeah it's like it's the the swinging back and forth between like how gay men identify with music so yeah and it's like
1: um the person who done this tweet justified like loud being really iconic because i don't know if it's happened in america but in the uk when loud came out in like 2011 like every girl dyed their hair bright red like rihanna oh yeah i mean that that's been an american staple (laughs) since the scene girls arrived oh yeah i mean that was like yeah very scene emo here too but then it was like different like it would be like girls that would call me like a faggot in school would like dye their hair red because of rihanna
0: oh my god queens (laughs) (laughs)
1: love them And it's like, is that really, a, like, your barometer for, like, measuring, like, the impact and
0: success of an album? Like, them girls dyeing their hair red? when I can say for sure that the Fame Monster in 1989 are way more significant than either of those albums. Like, yeah, n- 1989, it- it's difficult for a lot of people to recognize, because maybe they don't see it, like, in their day-to-day life. But, like, that didn't just shake up, like, the gays. Like, it shook up the mothers, it shook up the daughters, it shook up suburban America, like, it shook up Japan. 1989 was like a global moment
1: yeah it was like so cross-generational it was like huge and no other and then one like album of the year and like a lot of other awards and pop albums don't really tend to go that far like they don't have that much steam in them
0: yeah but seriously like it was a it was a moment
1: yeah it was huge and i feel like um maybe it's like a good segue into folklore but um i feel like It's very different, but I feel like this feels like very much like that. Like, I've seen so many people tweet about it, people who wouldn't usually tweet about Taylor anyway, and so many people messaging me who aren't Taylor fans, like, saying how much they love the album, and it reminded me very much of nineteen eighty nine when that was happening.
0: Well, with that delicious teaser, let's take a break, shall we? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) We're going to take a break. (laughs) (laughs) uh during the break i i just got some i got my highball and i got some ice in a glass so uh cheers
1: (laughs) cheers i have no drink i mean it's literally 12 in the afternoon here
0: yeah it's (laughs) what eight o'clock almost nine here so i always like to get just like a little tipsy on the pod because then i say some really outrageous things so oh no
1: like definitely i um Whenever I've done kind of like any kind of Q and A thing for my film and it's had like a screening, I've always had to be like quite drunk. Otherwise, I get really anxious. But then I find myself more like happy when I'm on stage. On stage.
0: Now you also act in your short films as well because I watched some of your web series that you did, and I was curious. Like, d- do you have like, is it anxious for you to act? It was always kind of like very nail bitey for me. Um.
1: I feel like when when I first started the web series it was like really tiny and it was just like my camera my phone on like a podcast pointed at me and someone else and sometimes someone would be behind the camera but sometimes I couldn't get that person so I would just like set it up myself so I felt like I didn't really have time to be anxious because it was always just like I had to do it um wow. and then when I done Plastic Boy which is like a feature film I guess I felt anxious because I felt like a lot more of like a, a thing yeah um I mean like characters quote unquote characters i'd say that like so like kind of like based on me and stuff but like i would probably feel more anxious about having to find someone and kind of install all those like nuances into them
0: oh interesting
1: yeah so i don't really mu- actually like for someone that's like quite anxious about a lot of things i find like things like that so non-anxiety inducing like i'm just like well it just has to be done so i'll do it <laughs>
0: I guess I did a lot of, like, stage acting when I was in high school, and that always, like, freaked me out. But I loved it, Um, and, like, now I kind of, like, do acting stuff, like, in drag. Like, not literally acting, but just, like, figuratively. Yeah, there's, like, a stage performance to that, right? Exactly. So there's always kind of, like, a tense element there. So I was really impressed when I was watching your web series. It was a long time ago, but whenever I see, like, someone act with so much composure, it's, like, really cool to me. Yeah, well, I'll send you a link to my feature film yeah i can't wait okay great well um that is so related to our next topic <laughs> <laughs> a We're gonna talk segue. about folklore the new taylor swift album
1: i'm so excited to externalize all the thoughts i've had in my head for the past two days
0: okay so um first off do you think this album is on a binary like a zero or a one like a bad or a good
1: um well i feel like the way is I feel like the reviews have been very polarizing, and the fact that everything I've seen has been like five stars, a hundred percent. Um, I feel like it's I feel like with Taylor album is like really hard for me because when it comes out, I feel like I'm so in the moment that I can't like um I can't think very clearly about it. Sure, but um, I mean, in my head, I'm like it's the best album ever. But I'm sure, like in a week, like, Not that it'll fade, but I'll be able to like think about it more constructively. Sure, um, but like, but in this current moment. Yeah, I mean, in the current moment, I feel like it is, like, the moment, like, everything I was, yeah, like, on my Twitter, like, I feel like, I feel like a lot of different people, and not everyone's necessarily, like, a Swiftie, you know, I do feel like, some, like, fans and people, but I've seen just, like, so many people talk about it who aren't, you know, quote, unquote, Swifties or whatever. Yeah. Um, but it feels very, kind of, like, the general consensus is that it's, like, very good, and any criticism that I've seen of it has been, like, I've gone through replies
0: and it's been, like, very missed very quickly. <laughs> well uh i think it's a good album like i i do think it's a good album um i also i was just thinking about that tweet i saw you responding to earlier where someone said that it's like racist oh for my taylor god. swift to call the album folklore
1: yeah oh my god so that's one of the criticisms i've seen the other criticism i've seen is that um it's also racist for her to be adopting like a 50s aesthetic and being put in the woods So apparently um that's also
0: racist. <laughs> this has got to be shut down, honestly. Like, this has got yeah. to stop. This is not doing anyone any productive good at all. <laughs>
1: but then it's just like, I feel like it's just like clout chasing. Um, and then every... Because yeah,
0: it's easy. It's so yeah. easy to say that... We were just talking about this. Like, it's easy to say Taylor Swift is racist. Just oh, it doesn't yeah. do anyone any good. What are, you, what are you improving?
1: Yeah, it's so boring. Um, So I've only seen like a few tweets about it. And they've kind of... But then I've gone to the replies and everyone's been like, this is a reach. This is ridiculous. I mean, the thing about... um yeah, how calling it folklore as a cultural appropriation. I was like, of what? Folklore is just, like, a concept of, like, passing stories down. And then the person was like, oh, (laughs) people use the hashtag folklore to share stories. I've never seen anyone hashtag folklore before this in my entire life.
0: (laughs) Yeah, like, I'm sure they exist, and, like, do you know how much I care? Like, I don't. (laughs) Yeah,
1: I'm sure it exists with, like, I don't know, like, old people? I've never seen people hashtag anything folklore to talk about a story and also oh, like
0: wait, wait were, were these like people trying to like pretend that like someone was like passing down to them like narratives from like their family like yeah. through the hashtag folklore yeah and apparently people can't uh, access those stories because it's clogged up with like oh trailer. my god shut up yeah things get named things are named get over it yeah. like i that is just so sorry
1: it's so pitiful that it's just like i can't even be bothered to like yeah you know, it's just like funny
0: yeah, well, I guess the name folklore. uh we can go from there. It is kind of referencing the fact that Taylor Swift is approaching what I think is arguably a pop album from the perspective of folk music, right? Yeah, I. Yeah, I mean, I felt like
1: when it was first announced, and I mean, when it was first announced, I like couldn't handle it. I, like, if I was gonna pass out, it was just like too much. From, it was like a sensory overload. Um, and then I saw like the album cover is black and white, and then the title of folklore, and I was a bit skeptical of it being like overly indulgent like she made it in um lockdown and it's too i thought it'd be like too folky and too slow and there are parts of it that are slow but i overall don't think is like aggressively I mean, i'm not entirely sure what folk music really is because it's not like a genre i've listened to but i feel like it has like that element of storytelling but it has like quite a pop sensibility still like it's yeah it's definitely a pop so. album yeah
0: it's definitely a pop album and I'm actually pretty exposed to pop music because my mom used to work for a folk music festival and she really loves, like, that genre. We listen to a lot of uh, Slade Cleaves and Rod Pycott, who no one, no one listening to this would know who they are except for my mother. Yeah, I I do not know who they are. (laughs) Yeah, but it's, uh, folk music is, like, very much about, like, a story or a narrative, so it's very about, like, the act of telling a single, like, narrative in a song. And I think that is a very prominent element of this project.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I know that like a lot of the uh, songs aren't necessarily taken from her life. Like "Great American Dynasty" is about the person who lived in her house before her, right? And her drawing parallels because it was like a socialite who got like a lot of criticism. So she's kind of drawn parallels between that. And I think he kind of talks about that person's life in other songs. Um, yeah, which... I think it's
0: like "Mad Woman" as well, right? Yeah. Well, actually, I think Madeline's about Kim and Kanye, but I think maybe there's also parallels to that as well. Yeah, I think that overall she's drawing on, like, a lot of different sources um, and telling, like, a lot of stories that are kind of, like, in third person or are maybe only, like, partially about her. And I think that's a pretty interesting move for a contemporary pop album. Yeah, I think... Um,
1: I've always been a bit, like... She's kind of done this a lot where she's sung about things that aren't always about herself. And I've, up until now, I've always been a bit, like, eh, this song's always been my least favorite. So, like, Lucky One on Red is kind of quite similar. She's talking about, like, an unnamed pop star who kind of fled the scene because she had, like, a lot of criticism and talking about how Taylor relates to her. And right, those, like, it might, it might not even be about, like, a real person. But... Yeah. Um. And there's, like, um, Death by a Thousand Cups on Lover isn't about her. It's, like, about different kind of stories and people that she knows. And I've always been a bit, like, I've always liked those songs, but because I know that it's not about her, it's something about me. that's always been a bit like eh, which is like maybe quite absurd. But then this album, I feel like cause it's it feels very strong and textured. in those songs, you know, they aren't about her. Like they feel very informed and close. So it's kind of shifted my perspective on the other Taylor Swift discography. Like there's a song on her first album called "Mary Song," which is like really country and is about just like I think it's about the her neighbors growing up and their like, them like falling in love and getting together and i always sure. liked that song but i was like oh well it's not about half but the cop out but this i feel like now this kind of has created a new element of like the taylor swift canon for me where the songs have like a cross-generational element
0: yes yeah, certainly and um i think that maybe the most interesting part of this album is that she is a lot less like direct about her image and engaging with People's reception of her, like the the album, is very much about her, but it's in a way that's more mm, more private. It's it's less blunt, if so, that makes sense. no totally
1: yeah, I have like a lot of like opinions on this like specific topic. I feel like comes um, so there's the song Invisible String, and I feel like she covered this a lot. I feel like there's like a review for the album in the Guardian where it spoke about how. Oh, I read that. Yeah, and um, I can't remember which bit it said, and maybe it wasn't that long, but it touched on it, and it was, like, about how this album has kind of, like, deconstructing, like, the idea of Taylor Swift and a lot of the trope of a Taylor Swift song, and um, I think Invisible String, she does it quite a lot. She talks about... So I think Invisible String is very much about her and her boyfriend, Joe, um, and in the song, she talks about how he, the first time he came to L.A. in a car, that Bad Blood was playing on the radio, and I kind of felt that was like Ooh. interesting that she was like referencing her own song, but in a way that was like, I don't know, it wasn't even like when you first came here. Like I was playing on the radio, it was like Bad was like, playing on the radio. Like she's kind of singing about the singer Taylor Swift. Sure. And then she talks about going to a restaurant with him and how the waitress said that she looked like an American singer. Um, oh, I remember that lyric. Yeah, and I just kind of felt like these feel like she's singing about being. Someone who is associated to Taylor Swift in a way, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, like a bit this of album distance. feels like
0: the like the first time that she's addressing. I mean, you know, I just said that she's not talking as much about like her image as usual, but I, it feels like the first time where she engages with the notion of Taylor Swift, like not as herself, but as like a different external factor on her real identity. Yeah,
1: like she reads a kind of comments on like the idea of Taylor Swift, and then in that same song she talks about um sending presents to her boyfriend's babies which i think is probably about joe jonas and sophie turner because they're together and they're pregnant she's pregnant and sure taylor went out of joe and kind of like the idea of her talking about how she would always be quite revengeful towards exes, but now she is more civil i feel like that was kind of like a cool because that's kind of like the main crux of like the taylor swift brand like the idea of like about like revenge quote unquote um and this kind of right. seemed like she was like looking at that but and kind of dispelling it a bit like well she's um the
0: she, throughout the album she takes a lot of like familiar topics from her music and she approaches them in a new way yeah like um the betsy and there's like two associated songs with it that i can't get off the top of my head but like she takes like the idea of a of a cheating relationship which is something that's come up quite a few times in her music. Um, and she humanizes like, each party in it. Yeah, definitely. Like, there's no kind of like, I guess before,
1: and I think she's kind of done this more and more gradually, like as she's gotten older. Like, I think 1989 is very much about um, seeing both sides and how there's not always a direct villain, um, and with both of those kind of come full circle. Like, yeah, I think in out in um, in style in out in 1989 when she says like. Um, You've been out with some other girl, um, talking about, like, but so have I. Like, there's more, like, an accountability there. And I think she's kind of been building up to that a bit each time.
0: Yeah, and I mean, it's pretty satisfying to see some of her, like, beliefs about cheating and about men's relationship with women, to see how that's kind of actually, like, developed from maybe what she used to think before. Yeah, and it leads to some like very satisfying moments on the album, I think. Yeah, no, definitely. Like, there's like a kind
1: of, kind of a sense of coming full circle and having
0: a more kind of grown-up, mature perspective on right. things. And this this is kind of like the about like the lyrical content, but like, what do you think of the sound, which is you know very different from her recent output?
1: Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I felt like very robust. Um like it felt like it's 16 tracks which i usually prefer albums to be like a bit shorter i kind of don't like me as well yeah i like i really love like a 10 track album like i feel like you can really implement something and carry it through to the end but this feels very like it kind of flows very naturally um and i think like she's worked with like very few producers on this it's like jack antonoff and um that guy the the, guy from the national yeah i feel like maybe that's helped create like a more cohesive sound but she's never worked with like loads of people but i think with like reputation and
0: like with reputation and love like she's only used like a couple but it's there's still bigger records so yeah they they have like more um yeah they have more knots of you know different samples and producers and everything yeah definitely so this feels like it flows more and it feels
1: like very warm and it feels like very intimate and it feels like very like yeah the sound and like the production feels like very satisfying and it always it always has but like this i don't know this
0: kind of It feels, like, very tied together. Nothing feels out of play. I do think it is one of her most cohesive albums. Um, And I will say that I think that a lot of people are describing it as alternative, as indie, and I still think it is very much a pop album. Like, I don't really think it's alternative or indie. I think it maybe pulls on some references from that, like, fake genre. Like, neither indie nor alternative or, like, real genres. But it's still, like has that kind of aesthetic um but it reminds me a lot of a an album i really love called um choir of the mind by emily haynes in the soft skeleton no oh. one knows about this. I, do you used know to, this I used to love them in school
1: but i yeah but i wasn't re- really i didn't have access to albums like that so i would do just
0: like download singles but i remember liking a few yeah well she she's the lead singer of metric and then she had Uh, Her solo career with that with one album and then more recently with this one and it's mostly her and a piano and sometimes some synths or a guitar or a drum but very rarely and I hear a lot of that kind of sound in this and I agree that I think it's very cohesive and when it comes to the length I do think it could do with some editing like it does lose my focus a little bit here and there. Yeah, I mean I'm I'm still kinda of like working out which bits are all my favorite. Um Do you know, like off the top of your head, like what songs like you're really into now? Um probably August
1: and Cardigan and Invisible String, um and My Tears Ricochet. I think like the bridge in My Tears Ricochet is like really good.
0: Oh um, yeah, and I think that that's a really My Tears Ricochet is like a very good example of how this album is so concerned with um like reflecting on herself, but in a way that sounds—it's approached differently than it would have been in her earlier music. Yeah, definitely. Um. Yeah, no,
1: yeah, that song is like so good. Um, but yeah, I, I agree. Like, it feels like she's kept a few more things private, but it also does feel very open and candid in a way.
0: Yeah, like. You know, we were just talking about how a lot of gay men expect their female icons to either berate themselves or to just, like, whore in front of everyone. And I feel that there's a lot of restraint in this album where she doesn't have to lash herself so much. No, yeah, definitely. Like, uh, um, well, I feel like she hasn't really
1: hedged her bets in any way. Like, Beverly isn't, like, um, just, like, a big pop radio-friendly song put in here just to, you know what I mean, like, appease a certain audience.
0: Yeah, I think it's it's very much her creation from start to back, which I think is one of the album's best qualities. Um yeah. Like even all of her albums are very much in her vision, but this one feels like especially like something that like is a product of hers mo- more exclusively.
1: Well, I feel like it's just kind of like like she's dead, like she just kind of like made it and put it out and it hasn't been very like calculated in the sense of it's been like a release part like a, a long release rollout or like a kind of gimmicky single to get the initial interest like it's very much just like put
0: out there yeah well especially in comparison to everything else she's done like this is <laughs> this is a drastic change yeah and i like kind of like i mean i've always like
1: loved her like lyrically because like i think like the storytelling has always been like the thing that's like made me more interested in her than like other pop stars but i didn't so I always thought that she like, had something like this in her, but I maybe didn't see it coming out in such like, an unabashed way, like her already cutting ties with everything that she had previously leant upon, like you know, like teasing a release and dropping easter eggs here and there and, you know what I mean? Like, having any real kind of marketing aspect to it um, and yeah, just like the lyric being like very intense and yeah, I just like, I just didn't really see her doing something like this that was like just kind of i feel like in look what you made me do she said the old tailor is dead but i feel like this really has kind of this feels
0: more like that than anything else yeah this is a much more serious like progression than i think even like from red to 1989 like this is a, a greater jump you know because yeah, red has so many like pop moments but this is very new for her in so many ways but it retains a lot of the like kind of songwriting stuff that i do appreciate from her but i will get into my criticisms here okay this is where i will i will put my line down <laughs> uh, i think that taylor swift is a good songwriter and i think that she is talented i do think that she relies on a lot of platitudes and cliches okay and i think that a lot of time the she can kind of say things that will like sound so familiar that they'll kind of draw me out of the song. Like for instance, on Mad Woman, which I think is pretty good overall, she says like, "Did you poke that bear?" And it's like, <laughs> I-, I know that phrase, you know. Yeah, I think it's like kind of always been like.
1: Uh, I think like she's like aware that she's like doing that, like, like kind of like using these sayings a lot. Um, I don't think it's ever been like an issue for me, but I like understand like how it could be like distracting.
0: Yeah, well, I had the same problem actually with um, FKA Twigs's album last year, Magdalene. I didn't, I didn't really. Listen I don't know if you it. listened to it. I that. didn't.
1: I liked her. I am a fan, and I liked the LP before, um, and I really liked the single from that album. But I don't know if I'm. I tried listening to it, but it just felt like really
0: impenetrable to me. Oh my god, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because that's like her like poppier album too, but. Yeah, she's... I thought that that album had a lot of, like, cliche songwriting as well. And I don't think really think it's, like, that big of a problem, but it prevents, like, the record from being truly great to me. Okay. And then, like I already said, it's a little overlong. Like, I would... S- and I think a lot of the song structure sounds really similar, too. And it's kind of that note at the beginning that's, like, kind of sullen and reflective. And then it builds to, like, a cathartic climax. And then kind of like just stops you know or like it fades out from there yeah and i think that it works many times on the album like it works in cardigan really well but then you go to the end of the album and you've heard it like four or five times before so then when you get to like epiphany or even hoax it's kind of like you know what's coming so it doesn't have the same effect like it kind of ends abruptly exactly like it doesn't have like that punch because I already know what the basic like skeleton of the song is. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, I
1: and I agree. Like, I mean, I feel like with any album that's like 16 clean tracks, that you can definitely take three songs out of it. Um, and I would say like hopes is probably like my least favorite. But I, I do agree that there is a moment during those kind of like last moments where you can like zone out a bit.
0: Yeah, and I don't. Th- I I honestly think that it's nice that she has such a long peaceful album. Like I was the first time I heard this, I was very hungover on the train, and I was very happy that there weren't any bombastic pop moments because my brain could not have handled it in that moment. Yeah, and also like it would just be so
1: out of place on this. Like it just wouldn't make any. It would be so jarring to me. Like um, I think people are people do that a lot in these kinds of albums, don't they? Um, I feel like I really like Pink Print, like the Nicki album um
0: but that has its big pop oh yeah as and well they're
1: so out of place like um the one what's the one where like she's thinking about being young <laughs> even though she's like 35. Uh, the
0: night is still young yeah it's
1: like doesn't doesn't belong it doesn't need to be there get rid of
0: it the, yeah that album starts very seriously about like her reconciling with like family member deaths yeah. and then like so then we have anaconda on it as um, well because, yeah. Just like I also love that album, by the way. Yeah, that's like
1: her best one. I mean, I didn't like Queen at all, and now I've kind of my interest in her has kind of gone a bit.
0: Um, I I like Queen, um, but I yeah, I get, agree it's it's not the pink print. I didn't get I didn't get any of it. I didn't get
1: why there's a lead single called Lee. I didn't get why she was like dressed like she was in the Lion King on the front cover. Like it all just felt really confusing. Well,
0: it's very. Aesthetically confused for sure
1: Yeah, it makes no sense And I feel like the pink print Like the album cover was so good And it just that kind of like Represents for the entire tone of the album
0: Yeah, the pink print has like a very Cohesive um, Like marketing behind it Like everything kind of is like in the same Vein Um, And it's funny to like link that back to Taylor Because uh, with this album Taylor also has A really cohesive like um, Like image for it Up to this point and it's very bland. Like, okay, you're in the trees. Like, I get it, but at least it like is saying the same thing with all of the images and the art for it.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I, I do think anything of any kind of of a photo shoot or accompanying pictures for this would have been, once again, very out of place because it the, the song the, the song is after stripped back. It's all been very not rushed, but she made it all in lockdown. It hasn't been that long of a time period, so I think any right. kind of elaborate photo shoot would have felt very out of place like I think the the pictures are very simple but it kind of
0: it fits very well I feel like okay so I want to ask you what some of your takeaways from the theme of the album are like what do you think that this album is communicating as a whole
1: so I feel like she's really exploring storytelling as like a whole as opposed to implementing it in her songs um, so she's obviously talking about like in songs like "Last American Dynasty" and "Betty," she's singing about things that didn't happen to her directly, but there's kind of like the generational crossover. Um, sure. Um, I th- so yeah, I think I think it feels very much more about the idea of storytelling as it, just opposed to telling a story. It feels like a whole look at everything about that.
0: Um, yeah, I agree with that completely, because, um, you know, kind of like I was saying earlier, she approaches a lot of her familiar subject matter in a different way, and she's talking about it in a new light. So I see where she's kind of, like, breaking the normal narrative structure of, like, what her music sounded like before.
1: Yeah, like, it really does feel like, um, like, a, it feels like a lot about, not about the songs are about kind of, like, radio autonomy, but this in itself feels like she just really kind of, like, cut the ties of any idea that you have of played us yeah um, exactly and
0: um i
1: feel like i'm still kind of just like working all the songs out but it does feel like she's kind of aware of what her strengths are in this and she's really playing for them and isn't kind of making is like it's quite unapologetic i mean unapologetic is like, a bit like a
0: trite term for this kind of stuff but like it feels quite unapologetic in that sense Uh, yeah exactly yeah yeah and i think that this album does have like zero pretenses about like what you care about like the image of taylor swift which is one of the reasons that i think it's pretty solid is that it's so detached from like her celebrity and her icon that it can really just be approached on its own merits yeah like there really are
1: no gimmick to it i think like in terms of pop stars and the idea of gimmicks i do think taylor relies on them oh
0: she loves yeah. her gimmicks she, we we know she does
1: but um i think she does rely on them less than other people like other pop stars like she's never i don't think maybe that's why like gay men tend to not be a fan of her as much because like there's never been a big thing about wigs or elaborate costumes you know what i mean like in the sense of like gaga or like Katy perry or someone
0: yeah and she's only kind of done that more recently with like um You know, I think of, like, Look What You Made Me Do, or I think about all of the faggots that she put in, um, what is that video from Lover? You Need to Calm Down. That's it,
1: I hate that song. I, I'm never really a big fan of Hollywood singles, they always just see, they always feel like very, like, um, red herrings to what the actual album's about. I don't mind that song as much because I really hated me, and it felt like that was at least a, a step in a better direction.
0: Yeah, at least there's no uh uh-oh in that song. Yeah, my god. My god. (laughs) Uh, I guess that for me, I think the the main takeaway of this album is that um, Taylor can tell a story, whether you like it or not. Here she is telling stories. And for that, I think it's like a very simple, like, rewarding album. Um, I think that for this kind of genre of, like, more deconstructed music, I don't think it's, like, particularly revolutionary or important to the overall style but i i do appreciate it for just being a product on her terms and just that and nothing more well i feel like i mean if this was like if it was like an album released by like um
1: a kind of more run-of-the-mill indie singer-songwriter then i would like like it a lot um i think like within like the taylor swift kind of like canon it feels like quite a revelation because like this isn't something but like pop stars put out like you yeah. would never see an Ariana Grande or a Katy Perry put out something like this and um to be honest they don't have the range <laughs> um, so I feel like in that sense like it kind of is I feel like it's quite it's kind of in my mind it feels like it's very much changed the idea of like what you can expect from a pop star because yeah. it's very unexpected and um, maybe the next album won't sound anything like this, or, I mean, who knows what will happen now. Um,
0: yeah, I'm curious, too, because I was interested after Reputation ended, um, like, where she was going to go with her image, and she kind of went back into, like, I'm not going to say generic, but, like, to, like, you know, more happier. consumable pop yeah. music, you know? um, And this is another left turn from her, so I, I really do not know what's going to come next. But what you said about um like if, if a regular indie singer songwriter put this album out it wouldn't be like that remarkable like it'd be enjoyable but nothing special but because taylor swift did it it is more arresting i think that's so interesting because you know obviously she's kind of pushing back on her image in so many ways here but like you still have to know who taylor swift is and like understand her discography to really get the full effect of this project
1: yeah i mean i feel like i can't speak from that angle because i'm still aware of everything but i do feel like there are is... A lot of people I know that haven't really listened to Taylor albums before and really like this so I feel like but I, I, I mean I do think like the, the songs are like very strong on their own right but I do think it is helped by everyone knows who Taylor Swift is even if you haven't heard yeah an it's album. it's
0: helped by her stardom yeah for sure by
1: the contrast even if like it's I think it's like so say everyone knows who she is even if you haven't heard a song um or an album but I think if you, know, if you know, everyone knows how, so you have, like, an idea of how, like, a preconceived notion. So, I think this album is really helped by the, how, it, how much it contrasts that image.
0: Yeah, um, and before we wrap it up, I have to say that I think my favorite song on the album is probably one that does not resonate with as many people, but I love illicit Affairs.
1: Oh, yeah, I know I love illicit Affairs. Um, um, I love, I feel like the only one that I've, like, leaned towards less is Exile. Um, but... Yeah, I, I see that one as getting it. a
0: lot of traction, but yeah. I felt nothing.
1: <laughs> well, I found it just, like, really jarring how it opened with, like, Boniver and his, like, really deep masculine voice. Like, it just Well, yeah, because like, he always me. sings
0: in a falsetto. Yeah,
1: and this was so, so deep. So I was
0: startled.
1: Yeah, and it was, like, maybe if it started with her, it would, like, lean me into it a bit. And I do like the lyrics. I like, you're not my homeland anymore. But, um, I think cause it opens with him, it's, like, a bit like, oh, okay.
0: Yeah, I thought it would That song is fine, but... My favorite lyrics from Illicit Affairs, I can't get over it, <laughs> when she says, um, a dwindling mercurial high, I was like, oh my god, I don't know about you, but I have had plenty of experiences with men in relationships. Oh my god, I've had none. <laughs> oh, oh, dear, I was hoping I've that maybe fi- you I've had. <laughs> I've seen films about it, so I can, I can relate, kind of, from the outside. Ugh. Yeah, meanwhile, like, my entire, like, college career was, like, men who are taken, and then flash forward to my life in Japan, and that only continued until very recently, so. When she wrote about cheating and um, being the other woman in such an empathetic way, I hadn't experienced that cathartic release since Lana Del Rey is the other woman. <laughs> oh my god, that is, like, the song I always skip from Ultraviolence. And by skip, I mean just stop, because it's, like, the last one. <laughs> Do you like Ultraviolence? That's my favorite Lana album, I think. Oh, that's my favorite Lana album, too. Oh, period, Definitely. bitch. That album is so fucking good. Mainly because it opens with like, um, Cruel World, which is oh, just, Cruel like- World is amazing. I love Lana. I love her. I've been, like, really getting back into her recently and, like, going through her discography. Like, I just... I've been re-listening to Ultraviolence a lot. And then I did, um, Honeymoon yesterday. I was so shocked about how good it was, I forgot.
1: Yeah, Honeymoon is, like, the one that I feel like is really overlooked, but...
0: Yeah, because it doesn't have, like, a big moment for her. It's, it's quite like, very atmospheric and
1: slow. Yeah, it has, like, it's, like, a bit similar. Well, I feel like Lana's kind of gone, like, that route ever since Born to Die. Like, she really right. put out, like, um Blue Jeans and National Anthem and all those songs, and
0: then was, like... Now you'll never get it. Never mind, like this pop, again. I'm <laughs> done with you. Yeah. And then for twenty minutes she was like, Okay, Lust for Life and like now that's done too, thank God. Oh, Lust for Life is like the weakest album. Except I really love Get Free at the end. Um but Oh Get Free's beautiful. Yeah, I, get Free's I, amazing. I, yeah Lust for Life is a disaster, but so um I when it came out i was really obsessed with it because like it was like that cathartic lana moment so i kind of like it like off of memories but no it's not good once again
1: like it has like a lot of really good songs i love like 13 beaches but it has those like god there's that, that bit in the middle where it has all those long songs with all those stupid random people featuring i don't need
0: stevie Nicks on a lana no. Doray album and the
1: thing is like lana had like never really collaborated with people before like it's very seldom for her to do so and i kind of like the idea of her opening it up a bit more to
0: do collaboration but yeah, like you too. don't need to
1: cram five in the same album.
0: Well, we might be getting a new Lana album this week if she actually puts out that like fake spoken world album or not, so we'll see. I mean, I will love Lana forever, but I feel like um S-
1: Likewise. I will never give up on her. But then um I, I have felt like a bit of an incline interest only
0: recently, ever since she'd done all those awful Instagram posts. Oh yeah. I mean, okay, my my take about that is that Lana Del Rey is, like, ultimately, like, a dumb white girl. She has never been anything but that. Like, why are you surprised?
1: I know, but it's just, like, a way that it was just, like... I feel like she's always been very, like, in public. She's always been very poised. And she doesn't have many feuds. And, I mean, she's like that hilarious Aaliyah
0: Bank thing. But, um... Are you laughing? Oh, my God. (laughs) That was (laughs) one of the most stressful days in all of my standing history. Oh, my God, it was so weird. And how Lana was going to go and beat Azealia up. It was just yeah, insane. Yeah, the, the, whole,
1: the whole look of that is not cute. And it was sad <laughs> because when they first kind of like debuted in the same year, they were like friendly. They were chummy. Yeah, it was so sad seeing that. But so I feel like the idea of like Lana, is like she's very poised and hasn't always comment on stuff and has an enigmaticness to her. And I feel like just her posting all this, like, ranting crap was just,
0: like, oh, can, like, please. Well, she's lost it recently because she, she's getting a little more recognition. So that era of Lana might be done, unfortunately. <laughs> I mean, and I, I, I like the idea of her, like, being more vocal, but, like, about things that are correct. Like, I mean,
1: I think the, mainly the thing from what I took away from that, like, Instagram post was how she said that Kalani has a number one. And Kalani does not have a number one song. <laughs> like, that was the funniest part for me.
0: Where did she hear that? Like, did her cop ex-boyfriend tell her that?
1: I mean, yeah, she just was so uninformed about what she was talking about. And then she was like, Beyoncé has a number one. It's like, Beyoncé has a number one for, like, decades. <laughs> it's not like, like a development.
0: Yeah, like, Lana, I know that, like, you want to be hurt and your glamorous feelings and everything, but just, like, maybe just, like, pipe down a little bit. Yeah, that's embarrassing.
1: Also, I just remembered what my favorite lyric from Alyssa Affair was. Oh, tell me. I love it when she says, um, look at this godforsaken mess that you made. And then she said, you showed me colors. I can't see of anyone else. And it's like, don't Beautiful. call me kid. Don't call me baby. That whole bit is so good.
0: Well, audience, don't call us kid. Um, Sam, thank you so much for joining me. This was so fun. This was so much fun. Sorry if it was like a bit rambly in times. But I had a great Rambling time. Rambling is good on I'm So Popular. Okay, great. I'm so excited. <laughs> all right, everyone. I think that's all for now. Mata ne.